Nobody knows what's going on when we watch the Olympics. We just turn on our TVs and become obsessed with sports we haven't thought about in four years. This is why we made the Ringer Guide to the Summer Games. I'm your host, Roger Sherman. Each day during the Tokyo Olympics, I'll tell you about a different sport, athlete, or storyline. We'll be releasing new episodes every day starting July 19th. Follow along on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts so you know exactly how to watch the Olympics. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected. Subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. Think about all the stuff you can do now on Sundays after the Super Bowl's over. Adventurous activities. You need a Hyundai to get you there. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped for any adventure with features like available H-Track, all-wheel drive. You can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud or available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Welcome to the Ringer Fantasy Football Show. I am your host, Danny Heifetz, and I am joined by Danny Kelly and Craig Horlbeck. Again, we just want to say off the top, our 2021 Fantasy Football Draft Guide is out, so please check it out at fantasyfootball.theringer.com. We're going to have fun today. We're going to go through the main characters of the 2021 Fantasy Football season, and we're going to explain them by quotes from Forgetting Sarah Marshall. <laughs> because why not? Yeah, because we like quoting that movie. Half our show anyway is doing that. <laughs> we recorded the movie so much on like when we were just talking to each other. We were like, we should just do the whole show like this. And that's what we're going to do. Yeah, yeah, main characters, movies. It kind of makes sense. <laughs> <sighs> so we're going to get to that. But first, Craig, you proclaimed on the last episode that Cam Akers, yeah. as your bold prediction, would be the number one running back of the 2021 fantasy season. He tore his Achilles like 12 hours later. So yeah. uh, would yeah. you like to apologize directly to Cam Akers? And what do you have to say for yourself? I'm filled with profound sadness, first of all, first and foremost. I I sincerely apologize to Cam Akers. He's my favorite player coming into the season, not only and because his family, pre- and not his just family, him. his yeah. friends, <laughs> Sean McVay, the Rams. Yeah. Your brother, Sean McVay. I'm honestly, like, I. this can sound like a bit, I'm genuinely sad. Like, yeah. I'm genuinely bummed. I was too. For, I was too. Not only for like, oh, I thought he was going to be awesome in fantasy, but like, just, I don't know. It seems like, his career was about to take off. Everyone says he's a great guy. He was my dude. Prior to me even doing Flying Coach, I was all in on Cam Akers in fantasy this year. So this is just all around a horrible, horrible situation. Yeah, the tough, toughest thing about this too is, you know, with Achilles injuries, there's so much uncertainty about what he'll do going forward. This is, could potentially be a career, not ending, but altering. certainly altering, you know, type yeah. of injury where we just yeah. don't have, there's a very small sample of of top tier young top tier running backs who have had this injury and and you know very few guys t- generally speaking come back to full strength so it's just you feel for the guy you really hope i mean i really hope that he comes back and is just as strong or just as fast as and explosive but it's going to be a process and you know people who have been injured will understand this like being injured injured is a psychological battle it's tough it, it's very you know it's just really, really hard. And so our hearts go out to Acres, you know, for that. And obviously it, it sucks for fantasy because we were very much looking forward to his breakout season. Um, very but, shitty timing, yeah, man. We got terrible. a lot of tweets of people being like, <laughs> Jesus Christ, you guys killed Cam Akers. It's all Craig's fault. <laughs> a lot of people got the notification from Adam Schefter, like as they were listening to the podcast. Like yeah, people great. were listening to Craig's discussion and they see another phone. They're like, wow. We got an email from somebody who was like, hey guys, love the draft guide. Super awesome design. What's up with the, there's no Cam Akers ranking. I just listened to the show. I'm all in on Cam you Akers. You had to break it to him. <laughs> I literally had oh, to email no. him. I was like, I'm so sorry. Check Adam Schefter's Twitter. Brutal. Well, I also, we, we were updating the guide after fantasyfootball.theringer.com and we were updating it and Riley McAtee, who is running the whole thing basically, 
is like, yeah, I'm going to delete Cam Akers and we'll move Daryl Henderson up. And I was like, wow, delete Cam Akers. That's like, it didn't really set in for me. To leave. It's like, so yeah, we're going to delete him. Brutal. Yeah. I, we just immediately move on. You know, it's like, a, it's, it's terrible. It's up. like you lost a goldfish and you just get a new one. I just was like, no, we can't delete Cam Akers already. <laughs> I think about that all the time with Tom Brady when he tore his ACL with the Patriots and he gave this great interview to SI and he said, the feeling set in for him when he went down, like he had to walk down the, he, like he took a golf cart off, but then he had to like awkwardly walk down these steps to the, like the MRI room or whatever. And he looks out and he sees Matt Castle just take a snap and hand the ball off and they like have to punt. And he looked and he thinks to himself, holy shit, they just keep playing without you. Mm. Yeah. And it like never set in for him till that moment. It's brutal. Well, and it's so weird how the discussions are immediately like, you check like Roto World, which I think is now NBC Sports Edge or whatever, but like, it's just immediately like, where is Daryl Henderson in your top 20? And it's like, God, fuck. <laughs> like, we're already moving on. It's like, yeah, that's true. <laughs> so speaking of which, where is Daryl Henderson? Is he in your top 20? <laughs> DK, where is, where is Henderson now? So I believe we moved him up to, and correct me if I'm wrong, we moved him up to running back 21, like just behind David Montgomery. I think we're not nearly, clearly not nearly as bullish on Henderson as we were on Akers. I think Henderson is much more of a committee type back. However, he's going to be in a really good offense. He's going to be the lead guy. I think there's no question about that, at least right now, based on how the roster is constructed. And, you know, he's going to get it. He's going to get the opportunity to score fantasy points. However, I don't think he's going to have the three down workload that we were projecting for Cam Akers. It's just, he doesn't seem like that type of guy. He's a little bit smaller. Um, it, it's one of those things where, I think we're bullish on him generally, but he's nowhere near the stratosphere of Acres. So yeah, so we have him 46th overall right now uh, in half PPR. So Craig, you're the you're the McVay whisperer. Do you think so I mean I think there was a lot of speculation that Acres was going to get more of like the three down workload. Do you think Henderson could get the three down workload or is this like more of the Lance Dunbar is just like lead back <laughs> thing? I kind of think the latter. I think the reason why they got Cam Akers is because they didn't believe Daryl Henderson could be the three-down guy. Mm-hmm. So I think Xavier Jones or or our man Funk, or honestly, my guess would be, I know McVeigh said that they're not going to bring in a veteran, at least not right now, but I think like a Duke Johnson type probably makes sense. Although, you know, well, Daryl Henderson- clear, Our man Funk is Mike Funk Davis, but they also actually have a running back on the rims actually named Jake Funk. Correct. So I get one thing you could say though is D- Henderson is a capable receiver. So maybe you say they bring in somebody like Adrian Peterson, like a bruiser between the tackles guy. But I I, I don't think Daryl Henderson was going to be, you know, like that David Montgomery type of last year where he just yeah. was on the field yeah. the entire game. I don't yeah. I don't see that. He's also just had a bunch of injuries, man. Like Daryl Henderson's just had, like he came out out of a bunch of games last year. He ended on a sprained, like a high ankle sprain, and then yeah. he also had some injury at OTAs that like hobbled him it wasn't like super disclosed i think it was a hamstring thing yeah yeah we don't know what like the status of that is entering training camp we'll find out obviously in like a week but it just he just has never a guy that's fully right and that's exactly the kind of guy that isn't just going to randomly get a three down workload you mentioned xavier jones so he's an undrafted free agent from last year but they really liked him and it's kind of rare but he just stuck on the 53 man roster as an undrafted dude i feel like he might even have i almost would rather have xavier jones with like the 130th pick than daryl henderson with the 46th pick yeah and that might be weird to say but i just feel like jake funk is more of a rotational guy with special teams all the other running backs are special teams that xavier jones is the guy who actually could be the holy crap why is he a top 15 running back but i i <laughs> like his him as a sleeper honestly i don't know if he's a sleeper anymore but he to me is kind of the most intriguing guy you know obviously henderson um there's a strong chance he ends up you know leading the backfield and, and getting the most touches however i think it's in the realm of possibility that they just lean on you know this xavier jones guy instead as the lead guy and then henderson kind of plays the role that he played last year where he's a change of pace slasher yeah. get involved in the passing game type deal i went back and watched some xavier jones tape yesterday honestly his tape is pretty impressive he was a productive guy at SMU, uh, he was undrafted, and we don't really know much about him because he didn't test, he didn't get invited to combine, he didn't have a pro day, and because of the pandemic, he did not play in the preseason. So we don't know anything about this guy other well, than what he, he like did in college. Twenty-three touchdowns at SMU. How do you not get invited to the combine with twenty-three touchdowns? 
I don't know. There's always combine snubs. I mean, there's always combine snubs. I don't know exactly why he didn't get invited, but um, I think there's just, you know, he, he clearly was a guy that they liked. It kept him on the roster. Uh, Aaron Donald pointed him out last year as a guy who was standing out in the OTAs and training camp or whatever they were doing preseason. Um, so there's that little tidbit that's kind of interesting. Um, but for the most part, again, like we don't know anything about him. Jake Funk is a seventh round guy. He didn't really do a lot in college. He's a very explosive athlete. Um, but you know, is he the type of guy that they're going to lean on for lead, like lead back duties? Highly doubtful. So, yeah, I, I think right now, just sort of like Jones looks to me like the favorite to be sort of the the one B, I guess, with Daryl Henderson or or the backup to Daryl Henderson, and he's worth kind of like a flyer. Um, but we really won't know, like like we mentioned before, until the season and the, if they pick up a veteran, if they sign you know Duke Johnson or or Adrian Peterson or whoever they you know. There's still a lot of information that needs to happen. So on that note about the free agents they might sign. So Duke Johnson's probably the best running back left on the market. It's kind of ridiculous, though. He's a receiving back less than a running back. They've also got, I mean, they've got the old guys who are all just dusted, like Adrian Peterson and like, um, you know, Todd Gurley, who is not going back to the Rams. I don't think that would be shocking. LaShawn McCoy. Like, they're like big names. They're all dusted. Todd Gurley's not old. He's 26. (laughs) All right. Sorry. He's not old. He's dusted. Yeah. He's dusted. He's His knees dusted. are old. His knees that are poor old. guy. I will say, I think if anything, this news just tells me that the, the Rams are going to go even more pass heavy. Yeah. There's going to be the Bills. Just like they're just going to run it eight times no, a game. I, I, I want to just say that they might sign someone, but there's preseason this year. And I, you know, for I know we don't give a shit that the preseason was canceled last year. That was like the least who cares that it was the easiest thing to give to the 2020 monster. But the coaches love preseason because they want to see who the other teams cut, and then they add that guy as to their practice squad or as their 53rd yeah. guy. And I think that's what the Rams are going to do. I think they're going to wait for cutdowns, yeah. and they'll yeah. probably sign some running back the last week before the season. And that guy might just strictly play special teams, or he could be in the rotation. But I think it might be like straight up a month before they sign someone, but I also think they will. The biggest, yeah. So, like at the end of the day, the biggest takeaway I think is. This is like a bump for Stafford, Cup, uh, Woods, and Higby more than... I mean, obviously, like, it's a huge boost for Henderson, but I'm not necessarily sure, you know, that they're going to, like, make him the feature feature back. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. All right, so there we go. RIP Cam Akers, Craig, uh, it is 100% your fault, and I hope you send <laughs> them, like, a fruit basket or something kind. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to talk about any other players anymore. Yeah, just don't. No more just, that's a good idea. Just keep it to yourself from now on. All right, let's get to Sir, forgetting Sarah Marshall. We're just going to explain a bunch of fantasy main characters this season of forgetting Sarah Marshall quotes. We're just going to. Yeah, do these it. are the it's, water cooler guys of the season. You know, <laughs> the guys just keep coming up. Lead the conversations when you're talking with your buddies about fantasy this year. And actually, while we're on the Rams, I feel like the Rams just kind of the entire Rams system is described by forgetting Sarah Marshall. Like the whole off season just kind of works. Yeah, it's really forgetting Sean McVay for Jared Goff, right? <laughs> it's just like Jared Goff is Jason Siegel, just like, oh my God. Like, the, all they need is for them to, to run into puppet. each other at a hotel for that to truly just be the plot of the movie. Where Jared <laughs> Goff. Was McVay and Stafford were at the hotel. It literally is. Well, Goff movie. needed to be there. Yeah, yeah. Goff should have been like, right after Goff got traded, he should have been like, fuck, I, I, I'm going to go to Cabo or something. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who the Bill Hader is in this situation. Is it Blake Bortles, some other quarterback? Like, just go to Hawaii, <laughs> man. It's Blake Bortles. Oh my God. <laughs> it's perfect. I guess Dan Campbell can be like the Mina, the Milikunas. I don't know. Okay. So main characters, we're just going to go through quotes and we're just going to describe fantasy players. DK, you want to go first? All right. So le- legitimately, one of my favorite quotes from this movie or any movie ever is when Jonah Hill's character goes up to Aldous Snow, who's played by Russell Brand, the rock star guy. And he's like, oh, did you get to listen to my CD? Did you get it? Did you, did you like it? <laughs> And all the snows like, oh, no, yeah, I was going to listen to that. But then I just, what about, I just carried on living my life. <laughs> and it's like just so perfect delivery. It's also like maybe my favorite just line of any movie ever. And to me, that speaks. I just carried on living my life. Just went on. I just carried on living my life. I have a question for you real quick, Mr. S. I was actually mean to ask you, what did you exactly think of my demo? Like, did you get it? Did you get it? Oh, no, I was going to listen to that, but then um, I just carried on living my life. That one, to me, is is Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson is the star, one of the superstars <laughs> of the NFL season. However, 
None of his pass catchers are. I, whenever I see his pass catchers on like draft queues or whatever, I'm just like, I, I'm just gonna go. I'm just gonna carry on living my life. I'm not taking those players. Well, everyone's <laughs> like, just, yeah, the Ravens are gonna pass more this year, and it's like, ah, yeah, no. yeah. I was, I was gonna, gonna take gonna, those guys, but then I just gonna, carried gonna, on living, living my, my life. life. <laughs> <laughs> I just like, I don't know. It's one of those things where oh, I my. just still can't get excited about it. I really want that team to be more pass heavy and be more efficient. And like, I want to have faith that Lamar Jackson is going to take a big leap as a passer, which I think he will eventually, but also just not doing it. I'm just need to see it first. (laughs) I don't want to pick at the scab, but you were the Marquise Brown guy. So you don't even like Marquise Brown. I feel like everyone's down on Marquise Brown now. Yeah. No, no, I'm out on Marquise Brown at this point. I've kind of like, I feel like I've given a lot to the Marquise Brown Fandom, the, the Marquise Brown hype train. Are you so you're I'm selling your stock it. completely? You sold. Well, I mean, I think honestly, at this point in time, like he's probably priced appropriately, which we've got him, you know, like 90th overall, wide receiver 41 in half PPR. So he's a doubtful collection. He's that's appropriate. He's like a wide receiver three, four, and you can feel good about that, but like anything more, and it's wishful thinking, maybe. Does this include Mark Andrews, a tight end? It does. It does. It's one of those things where the Mark Andrews range of tight ends, I just rather would take like a receiver or something like that. I'm just like, I don't want to like Mark Andrews, not to mention the whole passing thing from Lamar Jackson. Like Andrews couldn't catch the fucking ball last year. It's a tough it's just combo. Like so frustrating. Um, and it's also, I think Andrews is going to be one of those guys who scores three touchdowns in one game and then like one target in the next game. And it's like, you never really know what's going to happen. Tight end position sucks. I'd rather take a chance on, you know, a later round guy like a Hunter Henry or Johnny Smith or something like that than like invest like a mid-round pick in Mark Andrews. Has there been a quarterback that you guys can remember that has potentially been the number one, two, or three guy taken off the board who doesn't have a receiver that you would take in the <laughs> yeah. top well, This is the flip 50? side to the rushing thing of like, yeah. oh, we like Lamar and Kyler for the rushing. And it's like, oh, do you want any one of the Cardinals other than DeAndre Hopkins? And you're like, oh, oh what? <laughs> you want a different guy? It's crazy to think about. It's the, op- it's the opposite of the typical thing where you're really excited about receivers. Like you've got three receivers you love and then we have the quarterback to that receiver ranked really low. Like it's the... It's the Ben Roethlisberger corollary or whatever. You know what I mean? Like he's, for whatever reason, we all, like I think we all like Deontay Johnson, uh, Claypool, and Juju, and yet we like hate (laughs) Ben Roethlisberger this year. We like Deontay Johnson because he is in this horrible PPR society that we've built with the suspicion trophies. But as long as they just keep using Deontay for these two-yard slants, then yeah, he's could leave the league and catches. This is the reality we live in, Heifetz, yeah. Yeah, exactly. exactly. It's it's kind of like everyone gets their Jeff Bezos jokes off and like, you know what? You still got to use Amazon. Like, you know what? Like, that's that's just how it's going to work. I'm sorry <laughs> right. to break it, everyone. Right. Uh, all right. So, <laughs> I'm just thinking about Marquise Brown, like, giving out his CD. Like, did you listen to my <laughs> Did you get it? Did you get it? Did you get it? The other, wait, the other one, quietly, I think the more I watch this movie, the more Kudu is like the funniest character in the movie to me. Oh, yeah. With Paul oh, yeah. Rudd. And the thing where they're surfing and Kudu's like, hey, man. When life hands you lemons, just say fuck the lemons and bail. <laughs> and Peter's like, yeah, man, totally. Hey, here's the deal. When life gives you lemons, just say fuck the lemons and bail. Yeah, no, you said it, totally. I was yeah, like, just- that is Aaron Rodgers. That is the whole sitch in a nutshell. Fuck the lemons and bail. And we've talked a lot about Rodgers. I don't want to like, I don't want to like go on. I just want to say like, if Rodgers shows up next week, I think Devontae Adams is my number one receiver. I think Aaron Jones is going to fly up my rankings. And if he doesn't come, it's going to be chaos, man. Like, this is going to be nuts. Like, at this point, we're a week out. I don't think we have to, like, prognosticate anymore. It's just something's going to happen, and these guys are going to shoot up or shoot down. And I don't know, but we'll see. This one is, like, legitimately perfect in my mind. Like, Rodgers... <laughs> fuck the It would not surprise me in three years if Rodgers is living the Kunu lifestyle, where he's just, like, a <laughs> surf instructor in Hawaii with, like... His wife, and, you know, they went to Hawaii like recently. <laughs> yeah, for OTAs with the mini camp. Yeah, with Miles Teller strumming the ukulele. Miles Teller. Yeah, it was Miles Teller. Hey, let's go surfing. You know, like I just think he's he's and also like when life hands you lemons, just say fuck the lemons and bail. Like literally, <laughs> Adam Schefter reported yesterday that or two days ago that um, the Packers offered Aaron Rodgers 
the highest contract of any player in the NFL, whatever that means. We don't know the guarantee. Yo, that's not news. I was so mad about but that. But also, whole cycle. but yeah, like whatever. He's he's. It's not about the money to him. That when off, when life is offering him lemons, he's saying fuck the lemons. And he's failing. not. He's not a numbers guy. He's just like Kudo. And Peter's like, how old are you? And he's like, I don't know, man. I don't really keep track of that anymore. But I guess if you had to say, I'm. 44? <laughs> fuck. Fuck. <laughs> yeah, Roger's highest paid player. I'm not a numbers guy, man. <laughs> I stopped yeah. wearing a watch because my phone has a has a clock on it. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my oh, God. God. Roger's saying he's into aliens. That's perfect. Um, so I think the next major storyline, I couldn't help but create this parallel in my head of, you know, the Saints, right? We obviously have this new quarterback era in New Orleans, and... You got a feel for Michael Thomas, right? You know, catching passes from one of the greatest quarterbacks ever and now has to go to Taysom Hill and Jameis Winston. So uh, one of my favorite parts of Forgetting Sarah Marshall is the Dracula musical. And the opening line of the musical is Peter singing in his his vampire voice going, it's getting kind of hard to believe things are going to get better. And that's Michael Thomas, man. That, that poor guy wakes up. <laughs> when does he do the laugh? I forget. <laughs> the middle of the song. It's getting kind of hard to believe things are going to get better. I've been drowning too long to believe that the tide's going to turn. The ball, you know, James sails one over his head and he goes, oh, it's getting kind of hard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Well, it's like the Bucks went from like James and the 30-30 to Brady who like doesn't turn the ball over. And I think it's quietly we're forgetting that now the Saints are going from like the other all-time leader in all the categories <laughs> back to James. <laughs> It's oh, also God. it's it's also rough not just for Michael Thomas but for Alvin Kamara who actually might be in a worse position because I think Taysom is not going to check down he's going to run he's going to run he's going to take off yeah or whatever and Jameis Winston is like famously the most aggressive downfield thrower <laughs> in the NFL just like fuck it triple coverage I'm tossing it in there uh, so maybe he's not going to dump it off quite as much as Alvin Kamara and Kamara is like. I think Kamara's getting the worse end of this than, than Thomas because Thomas is still going to get his volume, but Kamara might never be involved in the passing game again. You know, the more I have stewed or let Craig's uh, we're not worried enough about Kamara take marinate, the more it's really bothering me. Yeah. It really yeah. is. The idea that like at the end of the day, there's just a name that has always been productive whose mm -hmm. circumstances are not completely different, but feel very different. And we're just like, ah! It'll be fine. He's so good. The fourth, like That's every the other it's like year. Hard to give up. On and it's him, like yeah. I'm thinking about it. I'm like if I were to draft Camara third over Derrick Henry, Zeke, whatever, and then like three weeks in, the Saints are just terrible. I'll feel so dumb, like so stupid. Yeah, and not only that, like it's not like you can at least rely on him getting 25 touches a game. Like that's not yeah, happening. Like not, at least Zeke's gonna get 20 carries. Not to mention Taysom Hill's gonna be the red zone something. It, it's just it's all really scary. All right, DK, you want to go next? <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> uh, the next one for me is Clyde Edwards-Alaire for the Chiefs. Yeah, Last year, you know, obviously we were we were pretty heavy on touting Edwards-Alaire. The history of, of running backs in the um, Andy Reid offense is very strong. We thought things were just going to be amazing. Everyone said he was Brian Westbrook, and we forgot that Brian Westbrook did not have a good rookie year. Right, what happened. correct, correct. <laughs> so sorry about that, number one. Uh, the line... Going back, going right back to Kunu on this one. He's like, there's a there's a point there's a point where they're surfing, and he's essentially like, if you get bitten by a shark, you're not going to just give up surfing, are you? And Peter's like, uh, yeah, probably. <laughs> and I'm like, to me, this is the Edwards Alaire question: is if you've gotten bit by that shark, if you gotten bitten by that shark, you're not just going to give up surfing, are you? You're not going to give up on Clyde Edwards Alaire after one year, are you? DK, I have another parallel for this <laughs> from this movie for Clyde that I thought of when I was rewatching it. <laughs> yeah, because like like you said, all the reasons we liked Clyde last year are still in play this year. Nothing's right. changed, right? And not drafting him like could be like a huge missed opportunity. So I can't help but think of the line where Jonah Hill gives Russell Brand his demo and goes, "You don't want to be that guy sitting there watching BBC <laughs> and right. saying, oh, I saw that guy. He was my waiter, and I totally dismissed him like everyone else does. Now he's a major, major influence on me now. That could be all of us if we let Clyde pass. Because you know what? You don't want to be the guy sitting there watching BBC 
and saying, oh, I saw that guy. He was my waiter and I totally dismissed him like everyone else does in his life. And I totally, she was wrong because he's a major, major, major influence on me now. And I feel terrible. No, I agree though. Cause it's like, dude, I was out on Clive last year before the season, just because like, I was thinking Damian Williams was going to take a lot of touches. And then Damian Williams opted out and we were like, ah, fuck it. Let's just go on and Clyde. And then he got the goal line touches and then he couldn't convert. And then they just didn't, they just didn't give him the role we thought he was going to get. And now it's like, he's had the whole off season. Like they did spend a first round pick on him. It's like, yeah, wh- yeah. why is everyone out on him? Like, including us, like we're, I mean, we kind of moved him down. 15 spots we've got in the mid 20s now we re- people refuse to like deviate from the first impression we just it's can't so imagine true. the idea of him getting better or getting a bigger role i i i'm starting to think that clyde is a more of a value i think that there's a question right now because at the end of the day rankings it's more about the tiers and we have tiers on the draft guide if you click on the positions and i think that the tiers it's like is clyde part of the tier with like miles sanders deandre swift josh jacobs david montgomery J.K. Dobbins, or is he part of the tier with like Joe Mixon, or maybe not Mixon, but like uh, Gibson, Najee Harris, Aaron Jones, and like I feel like the more I think about this, it's like he's in that higher tier. He's not with yeah. those lower guys to me. At the end of the day, he's still a, one of the like the Chiefs. It's still Kelsey, Tyree Kill, and Clyde in what should like will always be the best offense as long as Mahomes is healthy. Yeah, didn't we make a joke that like Clyde should be his own tier when we <laughs> like we did actually when we had the meeting we were like Clyde tier is three point five three and I a half. think yeah we we had an impassioned uh, discussion or argument about where to put him I ultimately was like very strongly we need to put him in that Gibson Harris Mixon Eckler Jones Taylor Chubb tier especially in in half PPR um, imagine yeah, him. Just, on somebody else's fantasy team three years from now, and you're going, wow, he's a major, major influence. On <laughs> wow, he didn't make an inc- what? He didn't make an immediate impact as a rookie. Wow, you know, it's <laughs> yeah. Jonah Hill. Just the, no wonder Jonah Hill wasn't just going to break out right as he's this waiter selling weed at this weird, weird beach restaurant. He needed a year. <laughs> I can't sell you weed because I'm at my place of employment, which you know you weed because later. you called me at it, <laughs> Jeremy. <sighs> Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. Think about all the stuff you can do now on Sundays after the Super Bowl's over. Adventurous activities. You need a Hyundai to get you there. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped for any adventure with features like available H-Track, all-wheel drive. You can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. All right, what's next? The Steelers have to be one of the focal points of this 2021 season. They have so much offensive firepower, but the man throwing them the football um, is the one that is probably the most controversial player on that team. And I can't help but think about when Sarah Marshall is talking about why she broke up with Peter. She goes, Peter, I couldn't take care of you anymore. There was a week (laughs) where you wore the same sweatpants for seven straight days. And it shows Peter, and he's like eating cereal out of a frisbee. He's like, "You shall not pass." <laughs> That's been Ben for the last five years. You didn't want to see the light of day. God, there was one week when you, you wore sweatpants every day. You shall not pass. That's Ben's off-season regimen. No, ben, ben, right now, montage. where he's like. Ben right now is like, I'm on this diet. Is like when Peter's like on the phone, she's like, he has this huge bowl of cereal. She's like, what are you eating? He's like, what am I eating? Um, a salad. salad. <laughs> By the way, I think there was a picture circulating of Big Ben today where yeah, he's, what did the shirt say? You know, like coming in, he's like wearing like a pretty tight fitting shirt. Is that like built it's a different, different or something? Yeah, yeah it's different. 
you know, like I don't, I'm not, I never would want to shame a man for trying to get healthy. Never. But it's better late than never. Has it been effective? Like Craig, Craig threw out like he lost maybe five pounds. Five pounds <laughs> on a 280 pound person isn't going to like He's not be a 280. Huge <laughs> better late than never. What does he weigh? Like, I think 260. Maybe he did it. But here's the thing. I don't want to let the or diet thing overshadow. Easily. I don't want to let this overshadow the real quote of Ben's offseason, which is last year. He said, my elbow, I feel healthy because he had surgery on like three of the five elbow ligaments. And he's like, I feel healthier than I've ever had in my past, in my past, like eight years. It feels great. I feel like I'm 30 again, basically. And then this year he was asked, why did you play so bad last year? And he's like, you know, it was probably the elbow surgery, but no excuses. (laughs) Probably the fact (laughs) I had my elbow like reconstructed. Is it that crazy to believe that perhaps he was lying about his health last year and now he's actually perhaps healthy? He was, well, no. All right. So if I can, I, I'll just make the case briefly for Ben actually telling the truth this time. And that actually is better. Is that there's this quarterback trainer named Tom House who works with Brady and Drew Brees and all the good quarterbacks. And he's like a pitcher and he's a big believer that all motions are basically the same. Pitching in baseball, throwing in football, golf. It's all fundamentally the same mechanics. And that the same way pitchers have pitch counts, quarterbacks need pitch counts. We never think about this, but they need it. And the same way pitchers shouldn't just be throwing constantly in the offseason, he has changed how older quarterbacks throw in that Brady breathe. They're not picking up a ton of footballs in the offseason. Ben does this too. But after the elbow surgery, he had to throw a lot to heal like the elbow to get it to know it was right. And so this offseason, he didn't throw at all. And there is something to that, that last offseason, because he was throwing in the offseason, maybe his arm faded down the stretch in a way that he will be have more arm stamina this off. That is, to me, the like that's the path. Yeah, it's what they call dead arm, right, in baseball. You're essentially saying yeah. Ben had dead arm. I think it's possible. I, I mean, I think your silence is like, that's not convincing to either of you. No, I, I actually do think, I, I've been on the train, I think, that he's not going to be nearly as bad as everyone thinks. Well, uh, you know what's funny is like he wasn't bad last year. He got fig. No, he got exposed. Like, let's be real. What happened was they went eleven and zero. They almost w- lost to the Ravens on that fucking sorry to curse, but like the Thursday, the Thanksgiving game that got ex- postponed to Wednesday, and the Ravens lost, but they had none of their good players, and all the defensive ends started bat- jumping up and batting the passes down. Washington watched that the next week, and Chase Young all but admitted once they saw the pl- game plan, which was. You're not going to sack him. So all the pass rushers rush and then jump up. And then that'll disrupt the timing. And then all the cornerbacks just play tight press. Don't worry about getting beat deep because he's not going to hold the ball long enough and he doesn't have the arm strength to beat deep. So you jump up to bat the passes. You press at the line of scrimmage. They ne- That's why they won like two games the rest of the year. They had no game plan once that was done. But I mean, you're right. I mean, the, the end of the year definitely changed and people started to figure him out. But, but like him in general... Like, if you just look at the raw statistics, like, he was good. He had, like, 33 touchdowns, 10 picks. He had one of the highest touchdown-to-interception ratios of his career. Like, he, he was a productive quarterback. Like, I don't know did why— Did he lead he, the league in pass attempts? No, I don't think so. They passed a shit ton. He didn't—it wasn't the most of his career as a Steeler. They threw it 675 times in 2018. They only threw it 608 times— uh, in 2020, so it wasn't the uh, most he was of his third. career. He had 608, Matt Ryan had 626. But he had 608 in 15 games. He so wasn't he Peyton Manning in- noodle arm. Yeah, right. No, but That's the correct. whole offense is just, I don't want to do this like every episode at this point, but it's like the whole offense <laughs> is just built around, he can't move. I don't think he can really go into center and drop back anymore because he doesn't want to do, he doesn't want his back to, like, to the offense. He wants to play action. He wants to see, sorry, he doesn't want play action. He wants to see everything in shotgun. But like that just limits the whole offense. I don't know. I I very yeah, it's basically, I'm curious how Matt Canada can, like, with this brand new offensive line, like, there's going to be a lot of growing pains. Maybe they'll be the opposite of last year, and they'll start slow and finish strong. I guess it's just the other quarterbacks who are playing in shotgun so much, or pistol, or Lamar Jackson, and Kyler Murray, and guys that, like, can just run immediately. Yeah, but it's it's hot girl summer now for Ben, so maybe he'll be running. It's, yeah, it's hot. All right, <laughs> we can move on. All right, I'll, I'll give you, can I give you guys another another quote? Yeah, please do. <laughs> There's just, there was, I just kept thinking of Carson Wentz, like throughout, like I just kept thinking <laughs> one, <laughs> you know, like toward the end when Jason Siegel's like, I've been with her for five years. And then Russell Brand's like, oh, you got four on me, mate. <laughs> 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 it's like, what? That 
like, I was thinking about Carson Wentz and Jalen Hurts. <laughs> we were just like, what? Are you kidding me? And then I also was thinking of like how bad Carson Wentz would Kudu's trying to teach Jason Single to swim. And he's on the board. He's like, do more. No, do less. Too much. Do less. Now you're not doing anything at all. <laughs> and I was like, that's <laughs> now, the Eagles trying to fix. Anything. You got to do more. That's that. the Eagles trying to fix Wentz last year. And then he just is like, I'm not going to play in week 17. He's like, now you're not doing anything at all. Pop up. Nope. Too slow. Do less. Pop up. Pop up. Too, you're doing too much. Do less. Pop down. Pop up now. Stop. Get down. Get down there. Remember, don't do anything. Carson, just just do less. That's exactly what the Colts are going to try and do with Wentz this year. It's like he <laughs> famously is. tries to do too much. He like tries to throw passes when guys are draped on his back and he's like, you know, being chased down from behind. He tries to like fit these passes into triple coverage and gets picked. It's like just do less, man. Just do less. You're doing too but much. But on that note, Craig, you just mentioned how it's like we like Lamar. Or sorry, DK, you were saying how we like Lamar, but we don't really want his receivers. To me, this is Wentz. It's not like we like Wentz for fantasy, but the, other than Detroit, who has like Brashad Perriman and Tyrell Williams plus TJ Hawkinson, is there any team that's getting like less love for their pass catching options than the Colts? It's like Jonathan Taylor's going really high in drafts. And then it's like T.Y. Hilton and Michael Pitts are just like afterthoughts. Pittman. Pittman. There you go. That's see Kyle afterthoughts. Pitts. As I said, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I literally just we talk about Kyle Pitts so much. I just screwed it up. Even though I'm in a league with all the kids who went to USC, we're going to murder me for that. But <laughs> so is T.Y. Hilton, should we be thinking of T.Y. Hilton as like this guy who was kind of toast for the first half of the year and then was decent actually for the end of the year? Or is it Michael Pittman breakout season, DK? Or just ignore both of these guys? So I would say T.Y. Hilton is maybe like a little bit safer as a reliable fantasy, like wide receiver three slash flex or something like that. I think Pittman has much more upside. That's actually what, and that's yeah. why we have him ranked quite a bit higher than TY, um, like a full round higher. And I think it's just like, he showed, he showed flashes of it last year, especially run after the catch, very athletic. Um, but he's got like the size, he's an alpha profile type receiver where he's like big, strong, physical in the red zone, all that stuff. Alpha in profile theory, is just a funny term. In theory, it is. In theory, he's the type of receiver I think that Wentz would like where you throw it up to him, you throw it into tight coverage and go up and get it. Um, versus, and I remember, so there was some discussion when when Wentz was uh, traded for, when the Colts traded for Wentz coming in, how it, he just wasn't very good and, and not really willing to play the short, quick game where you're throwing like these slants over the middle of the field. And that's like a big part of what Paris Campbell was doing last year for the Colts before he got hurt, where you're trying to get him yards after the catch, you're trying to get him in space. Like Wentz, that's just not Wentz's game. Like he's much more like push the ball to the outside or whatever, push it into coverage. Um, so that's another reason I think that I'm a little more bullish on Pittman just because he has the size to play outside, the the profile to play outside versus, you know, Campbell, who has been injured pretty much his entire career. And he's been much more of a, He's not a gadget player, but he's much more of like a run after the catch. Get him, give him the ball in space, and let him let his athleticism take over. He was never much of a deep threat in college, um, so I think that's that's the reason. But the big the big overall arching point is we don't know really what any of these guys are going to do, and so they're ranked significantly lower probably than um, they might end up performing. But we just don't know who it's going to be. Yeah, I just I just can't shake the feeling that like if Michael Pittman comes back and it's just good, you're like, oh yeah, like we liked everything about this guy. Carson Wentz had a terrible 2020 for a dumpster fire organization, went back to the coach he had success with. He's not like as good as he was in 2017, but he's better. And we're like, why are none of these guys going quite yeah. as high as we think? It just feels like there's the uncertainty is clouding the upside. Yeah, I would say that the Colts are probably one of the most upside filled teams. This season that no one really cares about. I mean, a lot of these, a lot of these breakout wide receivers come from second year wide receivers who saw a decent target share uh, in their rookie year. And like that's Michael Pittman. And like TY was really good down the stretch. Like both these guys could be really valuable players. And if Carson Wentz all he, he just has to be average. And I think these guys are gonna out, like over deliver. 
The other one's like Paris Campbell, but like I Paris Campbell's not the same kind of receiver. DK, you know more about prospects. Like, correct me if I'm wrong, but Paris Campbell is a guy that caught a lot of his passes around the line of scrimmage. He's a guy that you have to design to get the ball in space, which always sounds great in theory, but in reality, that's like more valuable to an NFL team where like you could have him going. It's like not a decoy, but it's kind of like a hybrid of like a. De- it's not like someone who's He's reliable like Curtis, for Curtis Samuel esque. Yeah. Yeah, Curtis Samuel-esque, where you're like, well, you'd rather have DJ Moore over the last few years. It's not Curtis Samuel. To me, it's like Paris Campbell seems like a guy you want because he ran like a really 4-2-7, Yeah, he's like an elite, elite athlete, and he's got good size. He's like over six foot, I think, like 200 plus pounds. He's a big guy. He's like kind of DJ Moore size. But he's but he just seems hurt a lot. Doesn't seem to have the same technical skills as Michael Pittman. I just feel like Pittman is, is the guy I kind of want in Indy. All right, so next on our list, and this is a really long quote, so I'm just going to let Craig play the clip, but it's basically, it's about Tom Brady and the fact that I'm basically starting to like Tom Brady, which is just my worst nightmare. <laughs> I hated him for so many reasons for so long, but I'm starting to like him. Here's the clip. I wanted to tell you, I was listening to Sarah's iPod the other day, and amidst the uh, interminable dross that's on that thing, I found one track that I, I quite liked, so I checked what it was, and it was actually... One of yours, and it kind of reminded me of a dark, gothic Neil Diamond. That's like exactly what I'm going for. Right, yeah. Fuck. Fuck, you're cool. It's so hard to say because, uh, like, I hate you in so many ways, but whatever, I can see why Sarah likes you. It's like basically like right on. Like now all of a sudden Tom Brady's out of the shadow. He's out of the Patriots organization where he has to be serious all the time. He's actually having fun. I know he doesn't actually run his Twitter account, but his Twitter account is funny as hell. It's like makes him likable. That is so important. I know he doesn't run it, and yet I I like that he lets someone else do that. Yeah, for him. he's willing like, to let someone do that. By the way, like, fuck it, let's be weird. I don't care. This gets underrated him fucking throwing the Lombardi trophy to yeah, another boat in the Super Bowl parade is an all-time fucking wow like pretty great drunk. moment yeah he was like he was shit house. did you see shit him walking house. there's no way you remember that when you yeah when you're walking like that his whole family's like don't do it dad like he his just child, his young daughter was like daddy no and then he, he just threw, threw the, the Lombardi trophy the in like pro- it was probably like a hundred plus feet of water. Like they would have had to get the diving teams out to get that thing back. His White House speech was pretty funny. Yeah, like he, Dude, yeah. I don't know. I'm starting to freaking like Tom Brady. Joke. I don't know how it makes me feel. I don't necessarily think it's a good Fuck thing. You're cool. It's so hard to say because I like hate you in so many ways. <laughs> you know, I've already compared this. I've already compared Rogers to Jamie Lannister, so I got to chill. But he's having a Jamie Lannister like what? I can't believe I kind of like right. this guy. Now. Totally, like, yeah. his character. Fuck? I thought his I hated character him. Arc, yeah, um, it's crazy. No, but anyway, regardless, I think Tom Brady honestly is like likable now, and I'm. On this team with like Bruce Arians, who's a fun coach, like no risk it, no biscuit. You know, he wears his kangles. He's got exceedingly bright red skin, which I can relate Looks to. Looks like he's like the a- one who went to space and got sunburned. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know. This is just a weird character arc thing. But you have to respect It's like you, the same way that you respect Aldous Snow for his sexual prowess. Like there's right. a point in the movie where uh, Peter's like, man, how do you do that? Multiple go- girls at the same time? He's like, ah, yeah, it is a gift. I love when Jack McBriar's like, no, we don't have sex because of our religion. He's like, oh, that's great. God should be involved in lovemaking. God should be a part of the sexual experience. If you can involve the anus, this ideal. All this snow. So in the same way, you kind of hate all this snow because he's the villain sort of at the beginning of the movie. At the end, you're like, all this snow's the greatest. He's like, ah, that's my limo driver. I'm going to have sex with her. Dude, he's just out of control. To stick with the Patriots, theme with Brady here. I can't help but think with Belichick and or Mac Jones, this could apply to either of them, but I love when when Jason Siegel is talking to Mila Kunis at the start and he just finds out Sarah Marshall's there and she's walking up and he goes, oh, is she coming? And Mila Kunis is like, yeah. And he's like, fuck, I wish I wasn't wearing this fucking shirt. <laughs> and I, I just got to imagine Belichick or Mac Jones running into Brady or like when they play and Mac Jones is like, is he coming? I wish I wasn't wearing this fucking shirt. I wish I wasn't wearing this fucking jersey. So I was wearing this Mac Jones. Did she see me? Uh-huh. Is she coming over here? Yep. I wish I wasn't wearing this fucking shirt. Fair enough. Why don't you try to unbutton it? Oh, God. 
The Patriots play. Do the Patriots play Week Four? The Buccaneers. Oh yeah, yeah. Week Four, October third. Who is it more awkward for, Mac Jones, to have a conversation with Brady or Belichick? Belichick, hundred million percent, Bill Belichick. Yeah. Do you think 100%. Bill Belichick feels more awkward or Mac Jones though? You know, it's funny you say that. I actually was watching the Belichick Saban HBO doc like the other night, and. The way Belichick interacts with the v- camera crew is like he clearly wants something, and they, he's literally just like, "Please, like, it's supposed to be all access." And the first thing that happens is he walks in, is like, "Give us some privacy." And he's like, "Yeah, I think it'd be better if you left." And like, "You want us to go? Like, yeah, we'll leave the mic." I think it'd be better if you left. And he just he it was so awkward that I think he does feel awkward all the time and just deals with it. <laughs> all he knows is football. He's not a big social guy, even though I've heard. He's I don't a really, think so. No, but I, I actually have heard the. I've heard he's a great dude. To like hang with, like at, like when he's truly like separating himself from a coach, he's like a fun time to have a beer with. So I don't know. Maybe him and Brady have had some great times. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, I still think that that's that's as awkward as it gets is going to be when when he man, especially if the Bucks roll the Pats, like that's going to be crazy. I love the idea of of Bill Belichick and Mac Jones walking up to Brady. And Belichick's being like, "Oh, hi, hi, Peter. Like, how are you?" And then Mac Jones is the eldest snow, and he's like. I, I, I lost the shoe. I, has anyone seen? It's like this one, but it's like his fellow, not like an evil twin, but like his friend. Anyone the seen exact that? Exact opposite. And Belichick's like, "Shut up, Mac Jones! <laughs> You're ruining this." <laughs> A whole year. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Uh, well, wait, while we're on, <laughs> while we're on the, the love triangle shit, the other one I like the other one I couldn't help but think of was I thought of the Kyle I thought of Kyle Shanahan and the Niners twice during this once when Kudu's teaching him to swim and he's like I want you to ignore your instincts Just, I am your instincts I'm like that's how Kyle Shanahan coaches quarterbacks like I am your instincts but the better one was when he's like stabbing the pig He's like, I'm oh, sorry. I'm, I'm like, I feel like that was him just act Nick Jimmy J at the draft. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It just, <laughs> I can't. Please don't make me do this. Do it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Stabbing Jimmy G as he drafts <laughs> Trey Lance. I'm sorry. <laughs> Are you crying? <laughs> Who do you guys think if if Jimmy G's the quarterback? Versus Trey Lance is the quarterback. Who's better for the skill players on the Niners? That's a good question, actually. I think short term, it's Jimmy. probably like Jimmy, probably. Honestly, you know, that's safety at quarterback, Early. right? Yeah. Well, certainly for the receivers, I think. And then, like, you have to ask the question. I, I, I think there's a chance that Trey Lance helps make this run game really, really elite. Like, the same way we've seen Lamar Jackson or Jalen Hurts or whatever. They can change the math for the defense. But he's also going to be stealing goal line carries probably and stealing carries period and so there's yeah there would be an argument that like Lance is worse for both the receivers and the running backs in year one if he's a good elite like efficient passer in the future clearly I think that the ceiling is higher because Jimmy G I think there's a ceiling with Jimmy G an extension of this is how we feel about the Niners pass catchers because Brandon Ayuk was pretty fantastic last year but it was when George Kittle and Debo Samuel were we're both right. out hurt. Right. And this, there's a, there's one is, do you think Ayuk is in the mold of the rookie guy who was pretty good that could take a big leap in year two? Do you think he's in the mold of someone who could step back because he thrived when he was alone? Or is it kind of like overthinking it because it's not like Debo Samuel and George Kittle are guarantees to be on the field anyway? Right. I yeah, that's tough. I mean, you can't predict, you cannot predict injuries, but if anything, I would just say there's, there's a good chance he just takes a, a leap and becomes this, like the alpha, he's like you go back to the alpha thing. Alpha like profile. He's got the alpha profile. He's used on downfield routes. He might. Did score you see? 10 remember touchdowns. when he leaped over the Eagles defender last year, which was sneakily one of the most fun plays of the year. Yeah. So Ayuk, everything about Ayuk's rookie season, I I, I saw that um, 
Matt Harmon does reception perception. He and, and Ayuk was good against man coverage, which is also is is always like a good indicator that this guy can get open. He can get off the line, all that stuff. Um, yeah, because that means like it's literally just you versus a corner, and you beat him. Yeah, and I think Ayuk is just straight up good. Um, he had a crazy stretch. He averaged a hundred yards a game pretty much for five weeks in the middle of the season. Yeah, yeah. he was unbelievable. I think there's a there's a solid chance the volume the volume is going to go down probably, but. DK. What's up? We have we have Ayuk at fifty six. We have Debo Samuel at seventy one, and we have George Kittle at. I lost it. I'm sorry. We have George Kittle at twenty five. Of the, you have to take one of those three players at that number. Which would you? Who do you like the most? Mm, good question. George Kittle at twenty five, Debo at fifty six, or sorry, Ayuk at fifty six and Debo at seventy one. Are you looking at PPR? Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. This is full PPR. Okay. Um, man, that's tough. It's Kittle. <sighs> I, yeah. You, you probably, say Kittle, I, I don't know. I'd, I'd probably lean Kittle. Because, like, the positional value that you get being that much better than, like, the the next, the fourth guy or whatever. I think he's a tight end three. I think the value jump you get there is significant. Whereas Ayuk, he's in that tier with a lot of guys that you could take in that area and feel good about it. How do um, I feel about Debo? I feel like anytime these guys come off injury riddled seasons, we just never feel good about them. But the year before, he finished the season, like, so strong. Are you guys in the same... Do you feel the same about Debo as you did beginning last year? Or have you, you know, given up on him a little bit? Uh, I think that mentally I've given up and I have to check myself. It's coming back to the first impressions thing. Like, it's hard to shake a first impression and my impression of, like, he won't be there for you. Don't trust him. Abandonment issues. Like, I, I yeah, think that he's... faltered a bit. ...extremely talented. And, like, I think that I'm discounting him, but I also... I, I, I think that I am ready, I'm prepared to accept that Debo might just be the number one receiver in this offense. Well, after Kittle, Kittle's the number one receiver. And that Debo might be really good. But I think that I, I'm really leaning that Ayuk might just be an all-around better player who is also, even though Debo's a good athlete, Ayuk is like a great athlete. And he also is like maybe technically like a more technical route or at least getting better at the technical stuff because he used to be a running back, which Kyle Shannon loves. And Debo was too, I believe. But I, I think Ayuk just has more upside in like every way. Plus, he doesn't have the injury concerns. Yeah. It's yeah. it's funny how, you know, we talked about the nature versus nurture thing and how I think one of my favorite convos that we've ever had was about how it actually doesn't matter like who gets drafted when or how high they get drafted. It just matters where they go. Like that's what what changes things, and that you 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 should think about a player based on where they go, not just their like raw skill so set. This is a good one to talk about dynasty too for the Niners while we're talking about Trey Lance. It's the same conversation. It's just like it's funny how the Shanahan system has convinced me so deeply that like anyone who goes there will be good. I mean, you were yeah. talking on the NFL show last week, Kai. It's about Nick Mullins, right? In his first sixteen <laughs> games, he has the second most passing yards ever. It's like if Trey Lance went to the Jets, I probably right now. And I think all of us would not have him ranked where we have him ranked now or would think about him as we do now. 100%. But I, I'm currently in the mindset of like, oh, I think Lance eventually will be a top 10 quarterback in the league. And that's literally only because of Kyle Shanahan. I didn't watch him fucking play in college. I've seen a couple clips of him, but it's only because <laughs> of Shanahan. I completely, I mean, put it this way. I told you guys before that if Justin Fields went to San Francisco, I was going to take him in dynasty over Trevor Lawrence. Simply yeah. because I have such a confidence in him being an elite player if that guy is at that team. And Trey Lance, I don't have that same confidence, but I like if five years from now, Urban Meyer turned out to be a disaster in Jacksonville and he was not right for the NFL and he bails to take like the Notre Dame job. And like Trevor Lawrence is like a good starter, but like is not the prince that was promised to us. And Trey Lance is just crushing it for the Niners. Like, would that shock you? No, but Highface, are you saying like, oh, I would have taken Fields first if he had gone to the Niners because I was so confident in him. You're technically saying you value your confidence in a player more than you do Kyle Shanahan's. Isn't the fact that Kyle Shanahan took Lance over Fields enough for you to put him first? No, that's a good point. And that's ultimately where I come down, where I think you're right about that, where people were kind of, some people were kind of down on the Lance pick. And I'm like, at the end of the day, Kyle Shanahan, I, Kyle Shanahan knows what he wants. So, I mean, DK, what do you think? You're the guy who scouted all these dudes. Like, like if you, you think also Fields is better, that's cool. But if Shanahan thinks Lance is better, does that well, mean DK more? has our rookie rankings. Uh, I believe they're coming soon in the draft guide. Like, DK, where did you rank these quarterbacks? And like, how is it crazy if, if you were to take Trey Lance over 
a Justin Fields, maybe even a Lawrence, just because you believe in the Niners system. No, no, it's not. I think so. I had them <clears throat> in Superflex. I've got I I stuck to my guns, <clears throat> maybe against my better judgment, and I went Lawrence Fields Lance. However, I really do think it's that's just a straight tier. And whoever you like the most, if you think that Lance is going to be the guy that turns out to be the elite, elite fantasy quarterback because he's with uh, Shanahan and because he's elite as a runner, like his running stats in college are really, really strong. They were in a run heavy offense in college, blah, blah, blah. The reason I kept it Lawrence, <clears throat> Lawrence Fields Lance is because I had Fields ranked quite a bit higher in my draft board. Maybe that's just me sticking to my guns too much. Um, but I also think just as a from a profile, like as a prospect, Lance has a wider range of outcomes, aka he has more bust potential because he did not play he, he only played one game yes. in 2020. Yep. He only played at the SCS level. And he only had like we've talked about this in depth, like he only had like 200 uh, pass attempts in college or something ridiculous. It's like a low number of pass attempts. So he just is very, very inexperienced. He doesn't have he doesn't have the reps. He doesn't have the live reps. So I think that gives him a wider range of outcomes. I'm I trust that Shanahan will design a scheme that gives him defined reads and helps him get through that first those first few years where he's like basically on the job training because he's just has not thrown the football very often. Like Trevor Lawrence has thrown the ball 600 something times in college and high school, whereas with Lance, it's like like a third or something or like a quarter of the amount of times, like in, in comparison. It's just thinking about that, like how many games have you played in college? There's a reason that historically speaking, teams want quarterbacks who have started multiple seasons in college. You want those reps. You want those live fire reps. You want a bigger sample of him performing at a high level. That's the reason I'm with Lance lower. I mean, ultimately, he's still third overall in my dynasty rankings. It's still, I'm still very bullish on him. But I think. Well, I might sound crazy the, for yeah. even asking you Trey Lance versus Lawrence. And like, so let me just explain briefly why I was wondering that. I have zero doubt that Lawrence is a better prospect than Lance by a trillion. My question is I, I started thinking about this a lot this offseason, and we talked about it on the big board where it's like, who are the quarterbacks who succeeded that you're like, unabashedly, that was a good draft pick at quarterback over the last like. Eight years. Like, who are the quarterbacks that were no doubt about it? That was a good pick. You look go through the list. Patrick Mahomes. The Chiefs made the playoffs like three of the... They, they won the like 12 games before they drafted Patrick Mahomes. They had made the playoffs like three or four years in a row. Josh Allen. Well, the Bills had already gotten to the playoffs two years earlier. Like, they were also, building no something no one thought already. that was a good pick. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm, I'm, but I'm saying now, with hindsight, we can say right. who are the good picks. Dak Prescott went to maybe the best. He's, he went great as a rookie. Maybe the best roster in the league he walked into. Russell Wilson walked into the best defense in modern NFL history, at least the last 10 years, maybe the last 30. So, and then who else is on that list? Like every Lamar? player that you... Lamar Deshaun. walked into a yeah. team that already made the playoffs. I mean, we don't have to get into Sean Watson and all the stuff that's happened this offseason, but he was certainly right. a good considered a good pick before that stuff came out. The Texans had won the division three of the previous four years. Like, there is not the only guy in the last, like, 10 years that you're like, that quarterback worked out who Luck. did not actually just get drafted. Yeah, it's Andrew Luck, he, ironically. He's the only one that the team was fucking bad, and then he made them better. Every other quarterback who's been a good pick, the team had built playoff success before they showed up. And if you're looking at these teams, the Jets, it's a no. The 49ers, it's a resounding Yes. The Jaguars, it's, uh, I would argue, really. it, you could go, uh, go either way. I would say no. I, and so that's why I look at the Niners where it's like, based on the history, you got to walk into a supporting cast. You can't do it all alone. The Niners made the Super Bowl last or two years ago. Injuries decimated them. They randomly got high enough to trade up, got this quarterback. If they bounce back and Trey Lance is great, like, I just won't be shocked, man. No, yeah, yeah, I'm the same. I think Lance is going to be good. I think anybody, I, I was going to be on the train that I think Mac Jones is going to be lead if he lands in San Francisco because I trust Kyle Shanahan to design a scheme. That's why we saw um, you know, him basically have all these different like backup quarterbacks and still passing for like eight yards per attempt and stuff. Yeah. It's because he has a great scheme, a great passing scheme that gets guys open and gets guys yards after the catch. And I think that that will be the same with Trey Lance. I think Lance's skill set is just perfectly suited for this. And I would have preferred if he went Justin Fields just because Fields 
you know, we've been over it a million times, at higher level competition, done it for longer, yeah. all that yeah. stuff. But both of these guys have similar skill sets. I think Lance can be great. And you know why it works like that? Because when the quarterback shows up to Kyle Shannon's offense, he's like, ignore your instincts. I am your instincts when you're out on the ocean. I am your instincts. Poor Jimmy G. Oh, boy. All right. This was the main characters. Forgetting Sarah Marshall, unbelievable. So thank you, Jason Siegel. Good. There's a good chance we'll be back with a different movie, perhaps next week. Who knows? With more <laughs> yeah, main if you characters. Like this, ringerfantasyfootball at gmail.com if you like this or you want to suggest maybe future movies in the past that we can do episodes for. Ringerfantasyfootball at gmail.com. We got to thank a lot of people, but I'm going to start. I'm going to break the rules here. Thank, well, thank you, DK. Thank you, Craig. But we have to give a very special thank you to Lauren because Lauren was nominated to get into the Kennedy. He's being honored by the Kennedy Center. And so just an absolute like little golf clap for Lauren. Congratulations, Lauren. We could not do this without you. You've earned this over a long and, and long and successful career. Thank you, Lauren. Thank you so much, Lauren. You mean a lot yeah. to us. You mean a lot to a lot of people. So we're really proud of you. Also want to say big shout out. Thank you, Infant Sorrow, Aldous Snow, lead man. <laughs> you should have said Jonathan. You also. All these angel skies. <laughs> Inside you. I just went from six to midnight. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and with that, the sun sets on us. Thank you, everyone, for listening. <laughs>